up, everybody? That's Gannon playing, playing Hot Licks. Frank Zappa. Mm, sweet sounds of a man. <laughs> you got Mike Jackson here. I'm Adam. How are you? Episode 9. We're finally back together in the same room. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. It's been a while. So, uh, I think you had a topic, right? What was uh, that? Oh, I was listening to the radio um, about the, the Academy Awards, and it just struck me as something interesting. Um, the show host was was saying how ridiculous the, the Academy is because all the nominations are movies he's never heard of, no one's ever seen, they're not popular, it's... <clears throat> and then I started thinking about well, I guess it's two two conversations. One is specifically about the concept of an Academy Award, mm -hmm. um, and I guess you could argue whether or not they're doing it right. But the fact that the the fact that there's sort of like this this safety net, this catch-all for um, for art. If we if we can say that still in in today's age that filmmaking is an art and it's not just entertainment, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. And, and it's like it's nice to know that there's that there's somebody out there that's viewing it and and experiencing it as art, and that there's some sort of recognition process. And again, you can argue like the. The, if indeed that's what the people watching are, do, are if, thinking, yeah. If, if it's if it's being implemented properly, but right. the, the concept of, I mean, because what do we want the Academy Awards to be? Like, I felt like I wanted to talk to this this talk show host and say, well, okay, let's do it your way. Then all we ha we don't even need to have an, a ceremony. We can just add up how much money and how many ticket sales there were, and then that's the winner. <laughs> Is that what you want? Right. So, yep. I don't think he's he's not thinking it through. Of course, there's probably movies in there. That you haven't heard of, and thank God, because because that means there's somebody out there that's experienced enough and has the subtlety, the recognition of subtlety, in in what a film can be, right? And that there are these great works of art that won't be viewed by the masses, and that won't sell, you know, thirty billion tickets mm -hmm. at the box office, but that there's still a way for them to be like, hey, you know what? That that's a work of art, and we're gonna recognize that. Uh, like I said, you could argue whether or not that happens um, in a legitimate fashion. Yeah, there was there was one year where I was a member of the Academy, and I got sent all these movies on DVD, and I'm supposed to watch them and vote. <clears throat> but it and it's like it's this funny thing where you could, as far as I know, I don't really, I didn't do it because I knew that I wasn't gonna do it right. So I'm like, well, if I'm not going to watch every movie and really dig into this, then I shouldn't do it at all. But I wonder what the criteria is, if you even really need to, if you're biased in some way. Because everybody in the, in the Academy, I think, are involved in the film industry. And obviously there's a whole marketing scheme. Like, for your consideration, yeah, yeah, yeah. please, our that's, movie. That's the arguable part. Is like, every, it's always going to be subjective. But, you know, are they doing it right? You know, that's... To me, that's a separate issue. That's an implementation issue. So let's talk about each each part of it then, because we'll have to talk about it separately, or we'll just. Well, you know, I'm a big which fan part? of the, the the root philosophical part of it. Okay, so is a utopian view of what it could be? Can you 
is art a race? Is art a contest? Can you be the winner of the best piece of art? That's one of the philosophical <clears throat> undercurrents. Yeah, but I, I guess... Is there a best? But see, like a movie is... It's, it's writing that line between art and entertainment, which is very similar to what, what I do. I think every art form does, though. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. I mean, you want, you want to be able to take it home with you. I guess. So like, if you're talking about pure entertainment, the first thing that pops into mind is like a roller coaster. Like it's it's in the moment, you're sitting down, you're having fun, you have the adrenaline pump, but then you go home and you're not really thinking about it. It's not something that touched you. It's not something that changed your life. And I would hope that, you know, a song, um, a composition of some sort, um, a movie, it, it could be anything. That I would argue that that's why Disneyland is so amazing is they've brought roller coasters to art. They've made artistic roller coasters, but but yeah, in a, in a vacuum, I totally agree with you. In a vacuum, that yeah, just some sort of adrenaline of, surge. Yeah. I get bungee jumping. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, made a laser beam. But yeah, I think. Uh, well, the funny thing that came up when you said that too—that movies seem to be more the entertainment thing than the than an art thing—I think is partially because, out of all the, especially the more notable art forms, movies have the most layers of art. Oh, that comprise sure. the end result. So therefore, yeah. first of all, they cost so much. You're dealing with potentially hundreds of artists to make this supposed one piece of art at the finished product. So then it's much easier to lose one person's vision. And I think the core of great art is one person's vision. Yeah. Being like, that's why a lot of the greatest films are like Scorsese. He's in, you said yeah. that and I immediately thought of it was either last year or two years ago, the uh, Grand Bud Budapest Hotel, Wes Anderson. There you go. Got so much criticism when it won. And people, you know, just hearing on the, I listen to talk radio as much as I can. <laughs> um, and just hearing all of the criticism of, you know, this movie was slow, I couldn't get through it, and what is this thing? And, and it's the fact that that movie won, I think the same, it was the same year that Beck won best album uh. and I was like something's right with the world like it's being recognized like we're not taking into consideration ticket sales like this one because it was the most popular this one like right. people were actually digging down deep and and you know I have to admit um, I hadn't listened to Beck's album until it won mm -hmm. like well something must be up here and, and I checked it out and it's amazing I don't know how much it's gonna sell I don't know how much Grand Budapest made you know, it might be a political yeah. thing too like those movies and those albums they, the people in the academies might think this year we have to go with something arty we're going to think this is all a sham oh that's an interesting angle because that one year it'll be Taylor Swift wins a Grammy or something and people will be like oh my gosh why why her and the next year it's some extreme version of like remember when Esperanza Spalding won and people were like who the hell is Esperanza Spalding she's a bass player right she's a jazz bassist and people were like they don't know who she is why did she win they were going, they went to the pure, like the most extreme, it's either pop music or something a little bit more extreme, yeah. so people were kind of like, this is not a joke. This thing, you know, they're really about art. And maybe there's some guilt involved, you know, maybe there's some like, um, gotta have something in there that represents yeah. the, the arts, because this year, I think Alabama Shakes might be the thing. I just looked on iTunes at like the the, Gram the Grammy nominees, we're yeah. talking about Academy Awards. But well, I mean, we kind of shifted over into the the implementation side right. of it, which I totally agree, there's like tons to question and and scrutinize there. But, but philosophically, yeah. I think I think it's 
there's something cool about it. And you said, can, I think you said, is it a contest or a race? Is what you said. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would go that far, but the, the recognition part of it to me is, is I, th I think it's important. I think it's important that there's something out there, whether it's a subjective body or whatever, there's something out there that's going to say, the people in the know know that this is good. Mm. This is quality, and there's a subtlety here that you know it's not for everyone. So it's kind of recognition from your peers is what it kind of should be a little, a little bit. Personal best. It almost feels like to me that the best way to do it would be just for the sake of recognizing you can't have an award ceremony, award ceremony that goes on like Hanukkah, like for like eight days or something. Okay, so let's pick a handful of the best this, the best that, the best the other, but I don't think there should be a winner. I think the whole idea of winning is more to just get viewers and to create that intensity where you got like five little boxes with everybody's face. Did I win or did I lose? And then like the pretend, oh yeah, but they won. Like the when yeah. somebody when they don't win, they pretend like they're happy for the person who did. Just <laughs> that the whole thing. The fact that there's like a, a a division or a lack of recognition of popularity, I think, is important at some point. Well, you bring up a good point. I think in yeah. In anything, in any art form, you have to have thing. You have to have every piece to, to kind of. I guess what I'm trying to say is like you have to have a Frank Zappa, you have to have a Martin Scorsese, but you also need to have Madonna, and you also need to have yeah. Motley Crue, because the problem, the thing with the world is that people, everybody likes something different, so it's like it's diverse. So everybody's version of what they consider artistic is different too. Like we as high artistic people, because we've studied. We're the people that like spend the time gathering the information, knowing what's good, what's bad, what's blah blah blah. But the average consumer—that's a different—that's a different thing. I, I think you have those those perfect storms of uh, someone that could be considered pop pop music or pop art, whether it be film or or some other composition. Mm -hmm. I think uh, you can have that. Um, we were just talking about Coldplay earlier. I think that's a a good example. There's. Um, even even Beck at some point in his career was very mainstream. Mm -hmm. But he was always artistic though. Like yeah, uh, very Odele artistic. was an artistic record. Crazy it just happened to hit the nerve of yeah, yeah. people that liked. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't think pop, in a sense, is exempt from being recognized. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of the Taylor Swift stuff is is awesome. I mean, it should be recognized. But I'm with you. I mean, the thing is, it seems like it all needs to exist. In the planet, otherwise it'd be a boring planet, you know. But but what you're but the point that's that is like kind of frustrating is that a lot of stuff that gets pushed to the forefront is the uber stuff that they know the head execs are like this is gonna sell. They don't give a chance to things that could be a slow grower. There's not enough. We don't have room. They don't seem to have the the mindset of the budget to let something grow because they're too afraid of the result being a failure. So what they do is they go with the thing that sounds like candy. Oh, that's going to work. That's going to be cool. Or a movie. Like, there's lots of special effects in that one. I think that's going to win the kids over. It doesn't always do it, either. That can fail just as badly as a song that's, like, artistic. And it's kind of risk-taking and them acknowledging the reality of the pace of, of modern life and the ADD nature of things. It's like, you've got to keep your attention. So it's like, it's almost like... I don't know, EPMs, explosions per minute or something in a movie. <laughs> it's like, you gotta make sure. Yeah, yeah. We're also talking about the U.S. too, because in Europe, movies can be very slow. 
You ever watched like a, a I'm sure you have, of course you have, but a, a subtitled movie. You know, it's funny, I just watched um, Amelie. Yeah, that's a great Which, example. And I can't believe I waited 15 years to watch that. Yeah, it's a great Amazing. Film. But those those movies tend to be more cerebral, more more romantic in a sense. It depends on the movie, of course. But mm -hmm. the way they view romance and stuff is very artistic. Where in the U.S. it's very like, we get, it's like When Harry Met Sally. It's like, it's a, it's a very classic way of looking at it. Although it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. But it's an Americanized version, like European versions. Like everything's different a little bit in Europe as it is in the U.S. So it's like, it's funny. What's what's rough about it is well first of all I'm glad that technology is keeping is like catching up because it's getting cheaper to make movies like great looking movies you know like the idea that you have to get that huge camera with 35 millimeter film and develop it and all that stuff now you can you know you can make it cheaper so like I remember thinking the year that there was um, two of the best picture nominees were There Will Be Blood and uh, No Country for Old Men. And no Country for Old Men is one of those movies. And There Will Be Blood that just starts out at this pace. Mm -hmm. And just... You need to dig into it. Oh, and it's just like... It's dark. You have, to, you have to be patient, but, I mean, it's made so artfully that you're just like, what is going on? I don't think there's any dialogue for, Everything's for the first ten minutes. That's that. the thing about those slow-paced movies, is it's... Yeah, it's so deliberate. It's slow-paced because it's bringing something to your attention. Right. Yeah, they're, they're really guiding you. Yeah, but it's both, both those movies, you know, if like you look, I know specifically looking into No Country for Old Men, and they had a, they have a hard time getting their movies funded, and that's sure. the Coen Brothers, man. Like, yeah, they because they say, all right, you're giving me the money, you have no say in what I do. Mm -hmm. I make it's the, the movie. Louis C.K. approach. Yeah, like for those of you who don't know, tell that quickly that story. The what Louis C.K. Yeah, that he took. I think you told me the story. Yeah, that so I he, can tell if you want. Yeah, he has his his series Louis, um, and part of his deal was I can't remember the monetary amount. Was it a hundred grand? It was. Uh, I think it was two hundred. It was two hundred grand, or that's what he did. He he went in and and he said, "How much will you pay me to not be involved? Mm -hmm. For you to not be involved." Basically, he didn't yeah. want any oversight, so he does all of the production, all, all the producing, all the, the directing, the writing, everything on his own um, without any oversight, and he hands them the finished product. And so he's willing to take less money to keep them out of it. And if he wanted to go for the big bucks, they would have had oversight, they would have had decision-making, yeah. uh, veto power, and in this way, he just he does what he wants. And you get a really quirky, um, unpredictable Extremely series, unpredictable. especially like if you, if you can watch like the whole one season, it's all over the place. It goes from drama to comedy to like yeah. awkward situations like the, it's almost like he's doing, it's not comedy like ha ha laugh. Not at all, it, yeah. It, the whole like, universe that he's in is just nuts. It's funny. Yeah, you can tell he's like, really letting himself go on this creative journey and if something's just if an episode doesn't it's need to be too. funny it's yeah it's dark it's awkward sometimes it's very uh avant-garde in ways and like that wouldn't happen with a committee mm -mm. you can't do it remember what yeah he said the guy goes well i can write you remember it the budget changed per season but i know at one point it was like i can write you a two hundred thousand dollar check and nobody in the, in the company will blink an eye any more than that 
and I'm going to have to start involving committees. And yep. Louie's like, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. So his budget, the writing budget, the entire crew, everything had to come out at 200 grand. So he, he didn't make much, but he's killing it in comedy. So in a way, he's subsidizing his film, yeah. his TV career with comedy, but he worked, worked his butt off to get there. Yeah, he's creating yeah. something unique that wouldn't otherwise exist. Which... And HBO's cool for that, too. They're a cool channel. They're a cool... Uh, what do you call it? cables? Yeah, his it wasn't HBO, but it's similar. Oh, it wasn't HBO? No, I thought it was, was it Showtime? It was it's, a cable channel. It's on net, Netflix. I'm not sure where it came from, though. Gosh, we should I know. I swear it was an HBO show. You no, know, it was like one of those. I want to yeah, find out because if, you're, if anybody's going to look it up. But it, it was, um, yeah, just cable. It was like. Oh, it's like a regular cable show. Yeah. I always thought it was H- HBO show. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, non 1 through 13 channels, but. So anyway, we just rabbit hold in some FX. FX. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, that's another good station. I think it all has an over, like all of this stuff has has a it's kind of an umbrella theme. And oh, that, and guess what? To add to your umbrella theme, he does it that way, and he ended up winning Emmy after Emmy after Emmy. Yeah, because they took away the committee. Well, I would say that he had the even the the possibility of winning an Emmy. Because there was some sort of expertise, some sort of uh, subjective or not, expert group of people viewing that, regardless of how popular it was and how much money it made. Right. Which I think goes like to the heart of, of everything. That that's, I think that needs to exist. Mm-hmm. And then we can we can tear the academy apart for not doing it right. But I think that needs to exist. And and, and specifically in my line of work. Um, that's important to me too. That mm-hmm. otherwise we should just have an applause meter, <laughs> and you perform, you do yeah. your thing. Who wins? Yeah, and who won? Who got the most applause? And Cause I bet there's are there shows that you do where some people get more applause and you still end up winning. It's it's been over the course of the last twenty years, which has pretty much been the life of the activity, um, this specific activity. Um, it's it's gone full range, I think, from the group that is the most popular that would win sort of an applause meter situation. Yeah. Um, it's been legitimate. It's been like a perfect storm. Okay, so um, they have the all... Yeah, but then there's also the groups that are that are really heady, and um, I think uh, yeah, the, the idea is to create a system that's a level playing field where it's the experts judging. It's not, it's not the audience, and although something might be the audience favorite, they do have a fan favorite award. Um, it's almost never the group that wins. Yeah, um, and that you know whatever that means. But uh, I've seen things happen. I think trying to keep the playing field level for at least that portion of things. Like this, this is a some sort of competitive environment. It's not. It's not who sold the most tickets. It's not who who's the most popular and who gets the most laughs or who gets the most applause. It's it's the experts looking at it. And saying, um, "This deserves recognition. This is this is something special." And I think I, I totally agree with that. And I, I didn't want something to slip by because I think this is a super important thing for artists to um, for me to preach to myself. But just for artists to realize is that, like, when you take the Louis C.K. example, that's honing your craft, being true to yourself, and persevering. That's the only, that's the reason why, that's the core reason why he won those Emmys, because Louis C.K. had been a comic 
for something like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he found himself maybe 10 years in. He started doing super personal comedy. And then it really got good. And then it took another 10 years. And he built an audience. And his stuff was just amazing. And his craft was there. And his art was there. Then he got to the point where he had a sustainable career. And he had the respect. And nobody could take that away from him. He had built that. And he had a, he didn't need anybody but himself and a microphone to like make a living. And then he wanted to do a TV show. And he had done a couple TV shows. And one of them failed, I think. Um, but by the time he got to that point, he had gained the respect of an industry. Right. And, and had he just been him. trying to, like, what can I do to make the most money? He wouldn't have found himself in the position of being position. given the free reign. Right. I but think, think Wes Anderson reign. fits into that category for sure. I mean, we don't. I don't know this. You know, there's no data I can look at that tells me this. But when you just see, look at his body of work, clearly he's willing to take a pay cut. To make the kind of movies he wants to make. Yeah, and that's part of the genius I think of uh, that we should all look for in ourselves too is like the ability to understand not only what we're capable of in terms of our maybe our given level of technical proficiency and stuff, but also like our resources. You know, like if you're out there and all you have is GarageBand and a guitar and a garage, <laughs> if those are your parameters, like what can you make that's still great? within those parameters, as opposed to thinking like, oh, well, I'm gonna, you could make a great acoustic record in that setting, but you couldn't make a great, necessarily, like, orchestral record while filming, you know, 50 dancers. You know, you'd have to fake it. So, like, what can you do at a legit level, given your, you know, your circumstances? It's a cool way to look at it. It's like a... I don't know. That's the way you're going to create something I think that's fully legit with what you have. It also feels like kids, younger generation, needs to get in touch with their artistry. I don't think a lot of people know who the heck they are. I'm seeing that more prevalent now than ever. I think a lot of people start out and they kind of just go with whatever. Because the attention span thing where everything's happening so fast, you're on your phone, everything, yeah. there's no real attachment to anything. See. I think that's just what we see. Yeah. Is it? Well, I think so. Just it depends how close we've seen it, like super close. What do you mean by yeah. that? I, well, I don't know. Maybe it's because um, I think there are people like that. I just I think they're under they're under the rocks. You know, they're they're definitely not in some. Uh, there's no um, overt presentation of those those more creative. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it, it, there are. People it is. There is definitely it. a culture of the the material gain, like more stuff, more likes. Well, um, we oh. just just dealing with artists and stuff. I mean, I just see a lot of artists that don't. They're not attached to anything. They're they're empty vessels. You know, they're attached to whatever comes at them at that moment. Entertainment, selling products, whatever it is. You know, and I like to see more artists take responsibility for what they're actually trying to say you know what I mean like you had that in the 70s if somebody came out they had a perspective maybe it was their you know their their feelings about the Vietnam War or their feelings about racism or their feelings about being a misunderstood teenager whatever it was it seems like people had a perspective and nowadays it feels like kids are coming up and they're just like they're on YouTube and they're checking things out and one guy's eating cereal and you watch that and that's entertainment you know what I mean there's a group of people that are growing up watching this stuff, and um, it's kind of scary because what's going to happen is 
people aren't going to have a perspective. They're just going to have whatever's coming at them. Yeah, it takes a lot more, I think, discipline these days to actually... We sound like old men right now. Well, we, yes, no, but, let me, let me, but we work with a lot of young people, and I think that... But this is a big, it's true, though. But, no, it, is, it, it absolutely is a, a culture shift, like, but, for sure. But I check think. it out. Like, if you... If I put a table in front of you and it had cookies, donuts, and carrots, I'm on all of them. You're on all of them. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. It's like what what kid is going to go choose for the choose the carrots? Yeah. So, but if all you had was carrots and the kid was hungry, carrots. The, the so educated today, kid. The educated kid. That's another layer of it. But what, yeah. I'm, what I'm just saying is though, if you have your phone and your laptop, and you feel like fame and validation as a young person is just inches away. That's the donuts of that choice. Sure. Whereas putting down, the, you know, closing the laptop, putting down the phone, and finding yourself in an organic way, what's your truth? You're living your life, you're, 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 you're introverted, instead of always looking out and always trying to like get validation for no reason, because you see it, you know, like Kardashian. Yeah. It's like that's one of the most successful businesses there is and that's like one of the things that people can look at and go like well if, if that's all she has to do maybe i could be famous right. that'd be awesome maybe i could be rich instead of thinking like looking to an artist who's spent the time on their craft and who's unique and original and expressing something meaningful and important like you were talking about i think that i think it's more hit on um, like when whenever you're sitting down to to create, um, or maybe you're just you're on the on the verge of of completion of whatever you're whatever you happen to be working on, mm -hmm. making sure that you're always in a place where you're not looking for something in return. Mm -hmm. That the creation, the completion of the creation was enough. And I th I think if you can stand behind what you've done and you can look at it and say, I don't need anything back from that. That's Chances are that's that's true, genuine expression. That there's there's a uh, an authentic quality to that. That's, I'm a big believer in that. I think that if you if you are able to go from from your start to your completion without worrying about what anybody else is going to think, not thinking about your audience, not being insecure about whether or not it's going to make you money, make you successful, make you liked, any of that stuff. If you can get around that first half of the circle. And complete it. The next half is whoever's gonna like it is gonna like it, and you're gonna be stoked. That is that Philip Glass documentary right there. Like, just sum the whole thing up. Um, it's called Glass, a Portrait in Twelve Parts, I believe. Is yeah. What it's called. Um, and check it out. It's on YouTube. I, I wasn't able to find it on any Netflix or anything like that. It's, it's on iTunes. Yeah, iTunes. iTunes or YouTube. Um, wow, that's such an amazing, like, iconic figure who just has that attitude like he totally does he's yeah. like, he's you don't like, have to listen to my music yeah you don't have to listen to my music he's like there's beatles there's everything else don't you know I'm, I'm not making you listen to me if you yeah, like it good frank's have a lot like that like a lot of the innovative people are, are kind of like they they don't put down things either they don't put down what's below them or what they consider he doesn't care about pop music he's like consume that that's all for you but i'm here too so if you want to consume what i'm doing that's great and i think a lot of the greatest visionary people are sort of like it's cool if you guys want to have all that other stuff. That's not. I don't think point. Frank Zappa felt that way, but he did. He would sit, they'd ask him in interviews. They'd say, "What do you think of this?" He goes, "I think it's fine if that's what you want to consume." Well, the, right, but he would also diss it. 
He would do. Yeah, he surely would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love how he. But he I know what you mean. It was more like you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're not concerned about what's going on around them. They're more concerned about what they're doing. You know. Which is almost the. I feel like there's a sweet spot, you know, like there's, there's a sense of like, that sucks. Yeah. Consume it. It's right. horrible. But in some cases that may be true, but I think there's a sweet spot for, for artists where there's ne less negativity and more of like consume that, but know what it is you're consuming. Yeah. You're eating a piece of candy. I think we don't call on, it. We did touch on that. We touched on that before. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you say? I remember. Um, just don't call the dessert. Don't, don't say, don't. Don't bill or uh, don't market the dessert as being nutritious. Yeah, or you said, yeah, nutritious. the dessert doesn't tell you I'm nutritious. That's right. Yeah. Right. But that's but in terms of age, though. It's like you like the whole thing about being old. It's not so much. I think the way I see it is, it's not coming from an old perspective. I'm coming from a perspective of like learn what you, like learn something, build your craft up. You know what I mean? It doesn't hurt to do that. Be aware of everything that's around you. Pop Find your music. truth. Find your truth and yeah. suck it all in. It's like take everything in. If you like jazz, take it in. If you like pop, if you like all that stuff, take it in and find out where you fit in the middle of everything that you like. You know, and I think I'm pretty in tune with like what younger people like. I'm not young myself, but I can see what there's a, there's a very specific kind of flavor, if you will, to what people are liking these days. You know, and I like it too. There's parts of it I think are great, but I also like John Coltrane just the same. You know, I don't. I'm trying to take my the barriers down of like what I intake and how what it means to me, but I'm also a person that spent a lot of time learning the craft. Yeah, and it's true. And pop music um, or pop film, anything that's like making the most money and ha and getting the most eyes and ears, um, and getting the most money spent on it, and people chasing that because of those rewards. I think there's no more people that are that are great at pop music than there are that are great at some esoteric art. I don't believe that. I don't believe that just for some reason in this day and age people are born liking that or born being good at doing it more so than any other time in history. I just think that it's so tantalizing to 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 go after it if you're an artist and then it gets fed to you so it's the thing that you are marketed with the most. Like if if there were a thousand kinds of soap, but the but only one of them was marketed, we'd be most people would be using the marketed soap and not know about the other 999 brands of soap, because right. it's just what's out there. So yeah. I think that's in a way what pop music is, because when you really look at pop music, there's only a few pop artists that are really pop writers, pop singers that are really doing it, and you can go and you can tell like. That's just as legit as this esoteric side indie band. Justin Timberlake. I don't know, I just thought of that. Justin Timberlake yeah. as a performer, Max Martin as a writer. You know, like, the list... There's a short list of very legitimate pop, you know, writers, performers, artists, and all that stuff. And then there's a lot of people chasing it, and really they would rather be doing jazz. Or really, you know, like... There's, there's a part of me that thinks that, you know... Like, Pharrell is somebody who's been able to make a living... And be an artist, I think, that's really, really close to actually what he wants to do. He's like one of those fortunate ones who who kind of straddles the old school and the new school. He's been able to move with the times because he's really unique. There's a lot of what he does. It's very jazz-oriented, and it's very... He's not letting... He's letting... Minimalistic. Whatever he loves come out. He's not putting a barrier up. Oh, I can't use that chord. 
but he's certainly a smart businessman, yeah. and, and he knows no he knows what he's doing yeah. when it comes to like the relational part and the you know the um, you know being a good guy, being a fair guy. He's I mean, you told me this, right? That he's like he sort of has a rule about business wise how he shares well, I don't know. his co writing. You know that well, it came out. It was came out publicly that what happened with oh, um, with, the, with um, blurred the lines, lines. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that he shared fifty percent of the yeah. writing on blurred lines, yeah, cool, even though that. he really did most of the work. Yeah. And then when they got the lawsuit, when the lawsuit came in, his co-writer, Mister What's his, his name, boy. what's his name, Robin Thick, Robin, Robin Thick, he goes, I didn't even write it. I was on pharmaceuticals. <laughs> <laughs> He yeah, totally that sold him out. I, I really like old Robin Thicke, man. He's a great, he's a great uh, singer for sure. I like, I like his '90s stuff. Yeah, he, you know, when he first came out, he's actually pretty cool. It was like R&B throwback stuff. It was cool, yeah. but it kind of showed his character. What happened? Yeah, when the going got rough, he was like, "I didn't have anything to do with that song." You know? <laughs> and then Pharrell to take the heat for all of it. Yeah, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's like another subject in itself, character. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, when uh, there's something wrong with your character when uh, opportunity controls your loyalty. Yep. You know, was I, was gonna I was going to save that for next week because I, I feel like I could do two hours on that. All right, we'll, we'll dip back <laughs> into that one, man. I remember that. That's, that's a great one. Say it again. Um, there's something wrong, wrong with your character, character when opportunity controls your loyalty. Controls your loyalty. So poignant right now. Oh, so poignant. It really is, man. It's like... You know, if, let's say we're partners, just to illustrate it, even though it's a fairly simple concept, but when you put it in an illustration, it really hits home. We're partners, but you're sick, so I go, I go and get this incredible opportunity, you know, to write, a, to, to work with an artist or write a song with somebody, and instead of going, you know, I'm going to have to do that, um, I'll talk to Gannon, can we reschedule that for in a couple of days, I go, hmm. Yeah, let's do it. Come on, let's do it right now. Yeah. And I do it by myself, and I go, sorry, Gannon, you're sick. I got this great opportunity, and my character flaw was yeah. I took the money and run, took the opportunity for myself. Like, you find out who you are when yeah. you can make the right choice, no matter what the, the opportunity is. When money's is. sitting in front of you, how do you react? Money's a big one, man. Money, money and opportunity. Money and fame. Yeah, because opportunity usually means some sort of a it's a, it's situation a where you or, can have or money yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know those are the big ones well, oh by uh, the way I really liked your son's movie can people see that like online I think it's so. a YouTube video right yeah it's on Vimeo it's Vimeo Vimeo yeah dude yeah, his yeah. son I, I love that video it's just so it's kind of bizarre but I, I like the fact that it's eccentric you know but <laughs> I think he's got a definite like a, he's, he's artistic though it's cool Apparently it was this whole impromptu, just, just do it. Yeah, they were they were just walking. Um, they had just finished filming a project um, for something for some school project, mm -hmm. and they were in the park. Mm -hmm. They were walking. Yeah. They had all their gear with them. Yeah. And they just said, "Hey, let's let's Is it done? let's make yeah, this up and and uh, let's film this thing and just see what happens." So there was no storyboarding or anything. It was like basically <laughs> what you're seeing is a collection of improvised moments and they just kind of made it into what it is with those parameters. It's I love those cool. kind of movies though that are sort of like you can tell they're improvised a little bit. I didn't know for a fact that they were, but they have a feel to them. Like they feel like they're sort of like off the cuff, you know? Like they obviously had a general concept, but then they just kind of went for it. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it was no concept. 
I don't know how they did it. I can't get inside. I remember asking him, yeah, he said that they had thought of the overall idea and then in post-production filled in the blanks that they didn't have. And then, so it was a really cool way of doing it. In a lot of ways, it's the way we write songs where a lot of times we'll write half the song and then we'll start recording the song and then the recording will fuel the finishing the rest of the song. So you let like kind of the medium... Sure, like yeah. through discovery. Through discovery, yeah. Well, the only reason I, I brought that up because I liked it, but secondly, I bring it up because it shows that there is a future. Like you were saying, there are people that are doing art. Yeah. That there, there are people underneath the surface that are really trying to do something cool and artistic because they haven't been jaded by having to make a living. They're doing it right now because they love doing it. There's no, there's none of that sort of like hidden guy behind you going, "Well, how am I going to get paid?" You know, it's like just let's have fun and make a movie. You know. Sometimes those can be the best works of art because you're not being ruled by anything. You're just going with your gut. Yeah, there's two. I mean, two things in that too are like, one, he's got a cool situation at school. He's got like a great film program. Where's he going to school? Canyon, Anaheim is. Yeah, so he's got the situation there, and then he's got you for a dad, which helps. Yeah, because you're so it's all like about he's got thing. a dad who's an artist who can sit there and, and throughout his life has supported his creativity. Like if right. If you don't have that, like I was blessed to have parents that were very supportive of what I did, and um, that's huge. Yeah, for sure. It can't be. Yeah, my dad was always cool. He was always going to my guitar lessons, and we'd talk about afterwards, like, what was it like? And I'd make him listen to Alan Holdsworth or something esoteric, and he'd he'd be totally into it. He's like, and we'd show him like Eric Johnson, he's like, he got the parts that I got, and it was real bonding for us, actually, as father son. It was like, I had a very encouraging developmental growing period you know with my parents yeah it doesn't even have to be a parent i mean if you don't or if you're not lucky enough to have it yeah just getting around people who encourage you and cutting those people off that that don't get who you are and what you do and aren't supportive of who you are yeah sure but i love that idea if there's anything to leave i mean there's many things we could say to leave off today but yeah my, from my perspective one thing that i like to talk about is that we were talking about um well for instance starting like today i've been messing around with logic and doing tracks and I made a mistake. I listened to song Sorry, and it really influenced the art of what I was trying to do, and I regretted it. And once <laughs> I got knee-deep into it, I felt like I was a failure. Like, what am I, I felt horrible afterwards. It's like, what, why do I feel so bad about this? And then I realized the best things I do are when I start with a clean slate, I just go with what I want to do. I don't think about another product. It was a real good lesson for me because when I went away from it, I was kind of, you guys probably didn't know this, but I was like a little depressed at lunch. I was like, Yeah, I couldn't tell why you were bummed. I was just kind of like, gosh, I what a waste of time. And it was a learning lesson. Like, if I would have just started off clean and just do something, then I would have felt like, yeah. if it was a failure, it didn't matter because it was something that was inspirational and of the moment. But because I was being influenced by what I heard and saw, all of a sudden, the end result, if it doesn't work out, you feel like a failure. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you're talking about with the whole circle thing. Yeah, you can say that about relationships. Sure. Like, you know, oh, I had a girlfriend and we broke up. It was a waste of time. You know, was it? Yeah, you, there's you always something, something to learn. And I learned, there? don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and influences are highly complex. I mean, obviously, yeah. if, if if you got a, a song stuck in your head, you got to unstick it before yeah. you can make a new song. But also, I think influences, there's got to be, they have to have, had the ability to flow through you. Yeah. It has to be something you love, I think, and then it'll inevitably won't come out come out in the same form that it went in. Right. It'll be filtered through you. And I think it's a huge thing with influences. Yeah. But, yeah. Well happen again idea to Because I love art, making tracks. But the track has to start right from inspiration from within. 
not worrying about if it's going to work for so-and-so. <clears throat> because you know what? Invariably, it probably won't. And if it doesn't, it could work for somebody else and whatever. But at least you're, you're satisfied with the result. Yeah. Like what you're saying, doing something without expecting something back. Like if you work on a track or a song or anything, and you go away from the experience feeling fulfilled because you actually created it and that was enough, and you hope it'd be great if you got compensated for it, you know, there's nothing wrong being compensated for your work. It's like the, the best art is selfish. Self, yeah, self-centered. Self-centered. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think yeah. for sure. But, um, we're not out there to try to make sequels to other art. What's well, a mistake anyway? It's like you're making, you're making Star Wars 1 every time. Or what is it, 5? Which one's the first one? I don't understand it. And the learning lesson in that, too, is that if you do try to copy something else that was already written or recorded, and you sound something like that, you're a loser because you're going to send that out and, and the A&R guy who hears it in hopes of doing that like exchange like I did it because it sounds similar and they're going to love it and then they get it they go well I already got that I was hoping for something new you even know? though they asked for it that whole system is broken because yeah. they're asking you don't you, listen to it you do what you feel is hard, in your heart what feels right that whole system of writing for the business is just it's a it's broken because they what they really want is something new, but their only way of asking you for something is, is using their influences. Is using a or an example. They, yeah. Give us something like this, but not at all. Yeah. Well, it's usually the A and R guy's aesthetic, so he'll put Duran Duran or some cool '80s band, mm -hmm. or he'll put something uh, new, so you get the whole spectrum. Yeah. I want classic. I want new. I want God knows what, and you're supposed to decipher that and say, "Okay, I know what that is," you know. But then their best bet is just to do what you like, and hopefully it works. If it doesn't, then that's why I think the main problem is stop signing artists that don't have anything to say, so you don't have to figure out how to say it for them <laughs> using other artists. Yeah. Instead, maybe as part of the the, the signing process, if you're going to sign just a singer performer, that's still an artist. Sure. Interpreter. Maybe look for their. You know, the their Jekyll to their Hyde. That's yeah. a bad example. But look, look for that person that's going to be their their fit. You know, that's why I really am a big believer in teams. Like, mm -hmm. you know, get your George, find your George Martin. Like, that's a huge reason why yeah, the a, Beatles were were unique. And like, you find that with big bands, they like Butch Vig had Nirvana had Butch Vig and vice versa. Yeah, and they created this special thing. Sound. It's more it's, you see it more in rock for sure for some reason. I don't know why it's not as prevalent in pop. Well, Definitely. it is when, when it gets good. Max Martin, that's true. He did the whole Taylor Swift record for the most part. Dr. Luke and Katy Perry. Yeah. It does happen. It, when it happens, there's it really happens. I think there's something actually... It's usually the that. newer artists coming up where it's all a cart. Because they're, they're, the, they're going to hedge their bets. And everybody's panicking. Yeah. yeah. They're hedging their bets. They're panicking. And then the record sounds weird because you get the record and you're like, like you always say, attempted singles, you know? Yeah. So yeah. true. I mean, it's One very, a, a it's very rare that you hear a record and go, that sounds like it almost was a hit, but I can see why it wasn't. And then I can see why that song's the single. It's like, it'd be much better to have a record that was like overtly like trying to be artistic on certain songs and then being very commercial. And I was like, please, we're a great example of that. Sting would do his commercial songs, and then they'd put a song like Mother on the record, where you're like, oh, I hated that song. Yeah, that was because they had to let Andy Summers write one song. Fortunately, they had to write a song. But Stuart <laughs> Copeland's songs are always the ones that I like the most. Yeah, I love Sting's songs, don't get me wrong, of course, he's great. But I'm just saying, I always really liked his quirky... It was cool to have a record where there was yeah. a quirky guy in the band. I just got Mr. Sting, Dingo. Peter Gabriel tickets, I had to say that. Woo! Ooh, are they on the, they're playing together? Like, an hour before I got here, That's I just great. found out that... 
my wife bought. That's awesome. Gabriel. That is a co-build cool that's 20 Bowl. years late. Ugh. It's kind of weird it's, it's happening like, now, but it's cool it is. They probably have played together. It, in the past, it, it, does, it, it almost feels like they always have been playing together. Yeah, like it's so mind. similar yeah. artistically. Yeah. There's yeah, another two examples of people that have teams. <coughs> Hugh Padgham. Hugh Padgham. And, and then, then um, uh, Peter Daniel Gabriel Daniel Lenoir, Lenoir, And among other people, Brian Eno. It's like, I don't know if Brian Eno worked with Peter Gabriel. Maybe he did. But he did on uh, So. That's what I thought. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. I talked about Rush last week. Terry Brown. Terry Brown. Brown. He did almost every Rush that's, album. That's like, that's like a serious ultimate commitment. partnership right there. Yeah. And then even even the Peter Peter Collins, for the next three. I yeah. Think, that was kind of its own little world as well. What albums were those? He were all the electric albums. The uh, Hold Your Fire, I think. Oh, uh, so the more eighties. Power album. Windows. Yeah, yeah. Grace Under Pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, Terry Brown didn't do Grace Under Pressure. Uh, Signals was last Terry Brown, I think. Oh, okay. I know too much. All right, so we talked about Rush last week. Maybe did, what was your what's your favorite Rush song? I already told him losing it. Okay, that was my favorite. Oh, you guys already talked about it on. I just asked him today. Oh, okay. Hand, yeah, losing it for sure. Which, other than the odd time, is very unrush. Yeah. Song most emotional song. We were saying that that the, that song had the most uh, seamless integration of lyric and melody. There wasn't any like strange. Um, Mechanized, futuristic, scientific language that that sort of like eh, hit you in the face a little bit. Yeah. Cygnus X One. Yeah. <laughs> Did Dax and our pets is my favorite. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, Julio. Awesome. Great to talk with I, you guys. Amongst the camera. You guys. Yeah. Hopefully, it's still running. It's yeah. Running. If it's That's not, still going. We had a little blank spot in the middle. I would have to go back. Okay. That's because cameras only. This uh, camera only runs for the, 30 minutes. Uh, my son's video is called Red Eyes. It's on Vimeo. Nicholas Jackson, no H. If you want to check it out. Yeah, I'll put um, awesome. I'll put a link on the end of this, or if I can get the actual video, I'll just stay tuned. There or maybe go. I can just throw it on the end of the podcast. The cat podcast, yeah. Do a little ad. It's killer. He's going to be uh, making feature films in Talent. the near future, I believe. Talented. Peace. Peace out to the next time. That'll be episode number 10. Sweet. We're going to get a birthday cake. Let's jam. Yeah, Mellotron, dude. I got something. glasses yeah wait H how are you doing that the words oh so like a disability oh that that's kind of weird dude y you're kind of a freak Hey, don't ignore me. Hey, look at me. I'm talking to you. 
Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy, look over here. Hello? Buddy. I don't know who you're talking to. I don't know who you're yelling at. Well, stop it. All right? I can see how red your eyes are from here. I, I can smell you. Hey, hey buddy, hey I like your glasses. <laughs>